0: Welcome to Activating Sustainability, the Anthesis podcast. My name is Chris Peterson, I'll be your host. As cases of COVID are accelerating globally, we hope everyone is staying safe and keeping well. As we hear about and think about circularity and circular models, we know the current approaches aren't enough. And that's why I'm so excited today to be joined by my guests, who will be really shedding some new light on advanced recycling options and what those look like. So please join me in welcoming Claudia Amos, And thesis Technical Director, Plastics Technology, Infrastructure and Commercial Due Diligence out of the UK, and Paula Liu, Project Director, Centre for the Circular Economy with Closed Loop Partners. And for those who haven't heard of them, Closed Loop Partners are a hybrid investment firm and innovation centre focused on the development of the circular economy, a new economic model for a more profitable and sustainable future. They capitalise some of the most innovative companies in the world enabling them to deliver circular economy solutions across the sectors of plastics, packaging, food, technology, and fashion. Their unique fund structure allows them to finance companies at any part of their growth journey, starting as early as seed venture capital to private equity, buyouts, and project finance. Claudia and Paula, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks. Good to be here. Maybe, Paula, to start us off, anything else you would add about closed-loop partners or some of the research you're championing?
1: Sure. I can highlight in particular one initiative that Closed Loop Partners started back in 2018 where a lot of our advanced recycling research sits. So we launched the Advancing Circular Systems for Plastics initiative in order to research and test and scale multiple solutions um, that address plastic waste. Uh, At Closed Loop Partners, we recognize that plastic waste is one diverse and so it's going to take multiple solutions to solve and create a circular future for plastics and there is no silver bullet solution so within that initiative we're involved as researchers as investors to you know create design innovation to reduce the amount of plastic used in products and packaging we're investors and we test different reuse systems. El Gramo is an example of, of a company that we're invested in that leverages a refill model to reduce the amount of plastic packaging that is used in consumer goods like laundry detergent. We are prolific investors within the North American mechanical recycling system, both increasing access to mechanical recycling but also investing in innovations like AMP robotics to modernize our mechanical recycling systems and make them more efficient. And then last but not least, we're investors and researchers in advanced recycling, which is you know one important tool in a suite of tools that address plastic waste. And I suppose for, for those unfamiliar about advanced recycling, the way that Loop partners defines advanced recycling is you know it, it encompasses the chemical recycling technologies like pyrolysis and gasification but it it's an umbrella term used to define a very broad suite of technology processes that take plastic packaging or other formats and either purifies that plastic on its polymer form or de polymerizes the plastic polymer to its basic building blocks. And when you do that, either through a thermal process or a biological process or a catalytic process, what you have as an output is uh, basic building blocks in the form of monomers or some hydrocarbon products like naphtha and diesel that can be relooped looped back into manufacturing or reused in other applications. So, Yeah, we've been engaged in the advanced recycling research space for a number of years and currently are working with Anthesis on developing an investor roadmap for how to scale the technologies that prove out to be sustainable and safe and how to do that within North America.
0: That's great. Yeah, I mean, fascinating to see these new models emerge like closed loop partners and exciting to see some of the work in the advanced recycling space. So I know you hit on some of that, but maybe could you unpack that just a little bit further for individuals like myself, that that's a new term? Is that kind of re things that existed or do you see it as kind of a greenfield space that is being addressed now?
1: That's a great question. Um, you know, advanced recycling is a diverse sector.
0: So there are
1: newer technologies within the industry that have been around for less than 10 years. And there are certain processes that have been around since the 1950s. The one thing to know about advanced recycling, and I think what we tend to do about the plastic problem, but also about the solutions to our plastic problem like advanced recycling is to oversimplify it, but it's not a monolith. And within advanced recycling, there are many types of processes that fall under that umbrella. Closely partners when we released a report in 2019, kind of outlining the landscape and scope of the technology and, and market opportunities in North America. We classified, you know, the dozen or so processes in the market under three categories. And those three categories are purification, decomposition, and conversion. I'll briefly go over each of them, but in essence, purification technologies plastic and they do not break the bonds of the plastic whatsoever. They simply remove the smell or the color of the plastic. And so you can put in a bright orange detergent bottle through a process. And at the end of that process, uh, you can have clear version-like plastic pellets to create new kinds of plastic products or packaging. In contrast, decomposition technologies Depolymerize that plastic polymer. So, and to take you back to high school chemistry, plastic polymers are chains of hydrogens and carbons put together and through a series of different processes, depending on the technology company. Decomposition technologies take the plastic polymer and snip it at specific spots to create monomers. Those monomers can be repolymerized to make plastic again. So taking a plastic bottle as an example, a PET plastic bottle can be depolymerized into its two monomer bases and then you know, re-looped back together to create polyester fiber or another bottle or another type of PET plastic packaging. And then last but not least are what I call the kind of legacy technologies, that's conversion technologies. These have been in market longer than the other two categories. They include processes like pyrolysis and gasification. But today's technology processes, you know, have really harnessed a lot of innovation in the last 20 years to improve those processes. And those processes take plastic and they bring it back down to the most basic state. So they're, they're taking that plastic polymer and they're breaking it all the way down to the hydrocarbon state. And the products that are that are produced from these types of technologies include naphtha, diesel, paraffin wax, and and for some of those products like naphtha, those can be re-looped back into the petrochemical supply chain to be recracked and made into chemical feedstock that could be made back into plastic. So all of these processes could have a role in a circular future. And right now, you know, we're digging into how they can fit within a circular future and a circular economy in North America by undertaking a body of work that looks at the financial viability of different processes that is evaluating how these can fit and add value to the supply chain. And certainly last but not least, looking at the environmental and human health impacts posed by these processes, because at the end of the day, no we want to invest in and we want to scale the things that ultimately help us decarbonize and dematerialize our economy and while these technology processes show a lot of promise we want to help the market understand kind of what those benefits and trade offs are so we're conducting that research with Claudia and team
0: yeah that's great i mean so interesting and i appreciate the flashback to high school
1: mm-hmm. I think that is one of the
0: issues that really
2: the kind of like not just the complexity of the technology, but also the the possibilities on both sides in terms of the the waste plastics they can take and what format they can take it in, as well as the the wide range of output products and how it feeds back into the plastic supply chain. Paula described that makes it really exciting, but that also makes it really difficult to to understand how can it fit into the supply chain, how it fits with don't know, the, the waste hierarchy in terms of reuse with the existing technology and all the other options, existing collection systems, a less um waste sorting and preparation systems. And I think that's uh, that's something we are looking at at the moment to to make sure that we understand those tools and we also understand that they all fit into a toolbox and which place they have because we still want to do reuse, and I think Leslie is very, as Paula described, in terms of the different investments in the different forces, so really support the reuse idea. If we can't just reuse items, um, please do. Um, but then in terms of recycling, how do we need collect, how do, you need, do we need to change collection systems and preparation systems to make the most of the plastics, and can set it up for mixed plastics, So can we have that are different types of bottles, coloured and non-coloured bottles, or do we need to get it into kind of like a mixed film stream? So can we get all the mixed film and all the bags and all our packaging films together? Can that be recycled? And that's really a big part of the, the work we are doing and looking at the fit with the supply chain and, and the current ecosystem around plastics recycling. Yeah, Claudia touched
1: on a really important piece to that, which is, The reason why we're investigating and trying to understand these technology processes and how they fit in a multi-strategy approach to address plastic waste is because we tend to think about plastic waste and pollution, and I think rightfully so because it makes up so much of the environmental pollution. But we tend to hyper-focus on packaging, but we forget that plastic is also more than fifty percent of the fibers in, in market today, that half of a car's volume is made up of plastic. And that's how we've lightweighted that car, that, you know, 20% of our the electronics that we purchase contain plastic by weight. And where advanced recycling really fits into, you know, that reduction, reuse, mechanical recycling kind of suite of tool sets is is by addressing those hardest to recycle plastics that today have no end-of-life solutions so I'm talking about textiles I'm talking about you know car seats that um, that today unfortunately you know go to landfill and that um, municipalities spend tens of millions of dollars landfilling every year that's where these groups of technologies really show a lot of promise to you know take that multi-layer packaging like chip bags, textiles, and construction plastic and and really offer a solution for that hardest to recycle plastic.
0: Yeah, that's fascinating and really interesting to to unpack. I'm curious what you see as the obstacles to to recycling of those maybe more complex systems or kind of car auto bodies or whatever it may be looking ahead.
1: Yeah, I, I mean just taking a look at our Current recycling system, mechanical recycling. You know the the plastics that we throw in bin that's collected at curbside today, is hyper focused on very specific kinds of plastic, namely those PET bottles and number two or HDPE bottles that have market value at the end of life for these material recovery facilities to collect and sort out and put back out onto the market. The most challenging piece for creating a circular future for all of these other plastics is that there needs to be a market incentive for collections and sortation and pre-processing to exist. And right now there is no market value for you know the car seat at the end of its life. And that's why there is no one collecting those bulky, rigid plastics and shredding them and and turning them back into other products. And so one of the biggest challenges, I think, to creating a circular future is one, creating new supply chains that embed the technology solutions. It's really creating new supply chains, but also creating the policy and market incentives that ultimately drive and economically support a more sustainable and circular future
2: yeah just to add to that uh, mechanical recycling is basically a single polymer process so you put in a clean polymer and you get a clean polymer that can be reused or used for remanufacturing but we are not going to collect everything as a single polymer and it can be really time consuming and very costly and also energy intensive to sort and separate it into a single polymer. And that's where these advanced recycling processes just bring a a huge advantage to the market that they're able to take more mixed plastics and and different colours that Paula described and are also able to, if you want, dissolve the plastics they find as valuable. So, for example, the car seat is a very compounded materials different polymers in there and if you only want to have the pet polymer out there you basically need to to drag that out of the mix of polymer the car seed is and all the fabric around it to actually get the value out and in the in the usual ways by using physical or mechanical means that is just very very expensive and very time consuming so using those more kind of like polymer and chemistry based processes, just makes it easier to get the the valuable items out and also addresses all those plastics and waste streams where we are just reaching an end or a line really in terms of practicality, economics and environmental impact to get to a single polymer stream. So I think that's where the whole package comes in. And the question is really, and I think that's something we're discussing also at the moment as part of the study, is where are those different pathways? So how much more can we collect as a householder, as a business separately, and can we encouraged or incentivised to do that? And then what are these waste streams that are more mixed, where we need to make sure that the waste is being collected so it's not being just discarded and it goes into a proper waste management process and is being then recovered as material and how does the different policy systems do that in europe that's very much done on a lot of regulatory targets tax incentives or tax penalties on your using virgin materials and i think in north america it's a much freer market that's really more around driving forces and the Encouragement and sustainability efforts of brands and the, the actual supply chain. And I think that's also really interesting in terms of the closely partnerships that these kind of companies are getting involved and are actually interested to understand what is their role, how can they be involved, can they then put in deposit return schemes to take bottles back, and then they own that as a resource to put it back into new bottles and into new products, for example.
0: Yeah, that's great. And really interesting to think about what does that actually look like? I'm just curious, are there any tangible examples that either of you are your kind of go-to dream scenario of, oh, yeah, this company is what we're aspiring to and how do we scale that? Or in this country, their practices stand out for you?
2: I don't know. Maybe I might give a first answer. I don't think there's a dream scenario. I think it's very much horses for courses. We all work differently and have different... Regulatory and cultural frameworks and I think what the good news is we have enough tools in this toolbox to find the right set of tools, but there will be different one in different countries or even in different regions depending on kind of like the waste arising, the collection systems, and also the offtake. So what is needed? What is perceived a a valuable material? And what does your supply chain in your region need? Is that like a polyester because you're very heavily in the textile industry? Or is that a, a polycarbonate? Or is that a polypropylene because you've got a lot of packaging industry? I think the key is really the, the cooperation, around across the supply chain and at the moment we are always thinking in in a kind of like a supply chain from virgin resource down to waste and I think we have to think more circular and more the reverse end of your value chain so I put something in the bin where does it go and what opportunities uh, does it have to be, be remade into a new new product so I think that's really where we need more of these technologies to be developed and to be scaled up because at the moment they're in a really early stage. So it's a really growing, emerging market. And that's probably also shown by the number of suppliers and different processes and everything. So there are lots of brilliant ideas, brilliant concepts out there. And now we are getting slowly to a stage where we are developing demonstration plants and people find this works, this is not as efficient. There might be more environmental impact if we use this system. If we use another system, we have a higher yield and get better outputs. And really finding those ideal concepts that come out of this mass of technologies and suppliers, I think that's what's happening at the moment. And that's where additional financing, support from brands and so on, are needed to help these technologies develop because we need these solutions a s a p there's not a lot of time left to to just put plastics in the ground. we really need to make sure we get circular
0: that's great, really interesting again to think about kind of you know what does that take and to as you say to see those models emerging, Paula, anything you would add in terms of your dream scenario and what stands out for you
1: yeah as Carly mentioned you the industry at a global level is in its nascent stages and there are plenty of promising technology processes and companies in the market today but like anything else especially mechanical recycling there will be regional solutions and depending on the policy and market environments those solutions will look different uh, as it relates to reuse and mechanical recycling and and certainly advanced recycling as well. I think what we have learned after partnering with nine technology companies and working with them over the last couple of months is that my dream scenario. and, And I think what the market will ultimately move forward are the processes that one help us to meet our our goal of decarbonizing our economy, so those that provide the biggest environmental gains compared to the virgin production of plastic. It means that these processes have to be viable from a financial standpoint, from a mass balance standpoint, which is just a technical term for saying you know if I put a thousand pounds of plastic on the front end? How many pounds of product do I get on the output side? You know, these things have to be efficient in order to be viable. There also needs to be local policies that will incentivize creating these new supply chains, driving investment towards these processes to embed them within our collections and sortation infrastructure today. And as Claudia mentioned as well, you know, North America is a really interesting market. And and one of the reasons why we're investigating North America specifically is to understand how in the context of really low fees to send material to landfill and in an absence of maybe national policy to mandate recycling, you know how these technologies can fit into our system, because it is interesting. You know, there are consumers, brands, policymakers, several stakeholders. We all acknowledge the crisis that we're in as it relates to plastic waste and plastic pollution, but the market incentives or just the market drivers, at least in North America, don't exist. A brand is not penalized for. Using virgin plastic. And so, if we want to see a future where we keep the material, the natural resources that were used in manufacturing and production, and keep that within the system, there's you know, several things that have to change from a policy or, or regulatory standpoint. But yeah, I, I think my dream scenario is for first for policymakers for the NGO community, brands and investors to just understand the nuances of this sector. And we're working to create a clear picture for what this can mean in the North American market. I think there's also a clear market pull
2: because the awareness is there that um, the resources need to be more efficiently used. The consumers are also really keen with all the kind of like environmental and sustainability issues that are being discussed. So there's clearly a, a bit of a pull in terms of where do we get those recycled polymers from? What is the quality? Can we use it in food application? Is it done good enough for health care? That's for me the exciting thing, that there's actually a natural market movement, market dynamics. I mean, I've been working on this for 25 years, and I think that's the first time where I can really see a very active, demand for these products and it's not just about okay we use it because it's a bit cheaper and it's because recycled as really drive towards we see the sustainability advantage we see the environmental consideration we are taking if we are taking recycled and we are also being asked by our investors and funders as well by our customers and business partners what are we doing how are we Um, addressing the the issues of decarbonizing and dematerializing our business. And I think that just makes it really exciting and makes it really, really good to see if we can provide a really good picture with this investor roadmap to give them a bit of guidance and a background information to, to make their decisions and to consider advanced recycling and mechanical recycling within
0: reuse and their own agenda. Yeah, well, I for one am so grateful the two of you and your teams are willing to dig in to try to unpack that and figure it out. It sounds like there's so much more to come. And I'm kind of curious if, you know, reflecting on your insights and experience, if you have recommendations of how people could or should get started or how they can keep a finger on the pulse as everything's developing quickly in this space.
1: So, Closer Partners has published a report kind of outlining the landscape and scope of advanced recycling. We look at the market opportunities within North America, but we really do a, a global analysis of different technologies, and we feature 60 companies within that report. As Claudia mentioned, or as we both mentioned throughout this podcast, we're continuing our research. I think if you want to learn more about how advanced recycling fits into the suite of solutions to address plastic waste and, and drive towards a circular future, you can go to And under the center's section of the website, you'll find our research report from last year, as well as information about our ongoing research. And you can sign up to join a newsletter so that you're up to date on when those different reports come out.
0: Perfect. Thanks. And Claudia, anything you would add from your perspective and experience?
1: Yeah, I
2: think there's a lot of information out there, but it's really finding a structured approach to be independent and really look at kind of um, what is the merit and also be very transparent about kind of like, what do we still need to find out? What do we still need to to understand in terms of especially the environmental impact and maybe also the human health impact of of these technologies? How do they compare to virgin production and how do they compare to other other waste management options where the waste plastics uh, are ending up at the moment because while we all instinctively know that landfill is not a very good option we also need to consider how they fit and what the different considerations are and I think we are also learning with those technologies while they're growing uh, in terms of because they're not just kind of like looking in improving their yields and their process efficiency I think they're also looking into you know how how are they decarbonizing what is their impact for a certain plant and how is that compared with different geographies where they are and the kind of like the electricity they use and can they use heat are there other options to co-locate to reduce impacts and increase efficiency and process efficiency so i think that is uh, something that it's going to be now, one point in time where we can provide an overview, but it's still growing and, and really blooming and emerging. So we need to learn and we need to keep an eye on how these are opening up and where new plants are going to be built and really how the market reacts and how they fit into the market. So for me, it's not just a standing point. It's also an ongoing process where we are able to take stock, moment and really look at how this is developing, but then also taking the guidance and the thinking to to take it forward and move it forward.
0: Wonderful. And thank you both so much for taking the time to introduce the concept for us. And Claudia, as you said, give us a snapshot of where that stands today and maybe a little bit of insight about where you think it may be going forward from here. So thank you both very much for your time and joining the podcast today. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, Chris. And thank you all very much for listening. We really appreciate it. We'll include links to the site that Paula mentioned with Closed Loop Partners, as well as information on the Anthesis site and emails for both Claudia and Paula, as well as myself. And please don't hesitate to reach out and let us know kind of what you're interested in learning more about, uh, any questions you have, any feedback on the podcast. And thank you again for listening. We hope everybody's staying safe and keeping well. Take care.